0: and here.
1: Tweet about the butt fumble until someone hires you.
0: Welcome to yet another edition of Golic and Smeddy. I am Mike Golick Sr. She is Jessica Smetana and Jess this one is about you. We're going to get the college football and the NFL because we know football is king. We're going to start to hit some more baseball probably next week. Uh, as we as uh, the World Series will be going on with the uh, the Astros and the
1: uh, Phillies. Phillies.
0: Uh, how about uh, boy, oh boy, there's some some good stuff going on there. We'll, we'll we'll get into that. I almost started into it saying we'll get into it later, but I I need to talk about and find out from you. We have Grand Prix in the U.S. and now mm-hmm. it's going to be three spots. We already had at Miami. We know it's going to be in Vegas next year. And this past weekend, it, it was in Austin, Texas, and you were there, like taking it all in, doing stuff, uh, interviews and such. You were you were everywhere. So let's let's start there. We'll get into the race and Max Verstappen and the Constructors Cup and all that. That, that that's basically overs with. And it seems like every single race there's some kind of of uh, appeal or drama <laughs> or somebody looking at some kind of five second this time I think we got a 30 second penalty so there's yeah. always that stuff but but how how was because I, I, I read a few things about busing people three hours and so from the fans perspective how, how was this whole thing
1: I gotta say I thought it was great I have heard the same things about traffic but I didn't know if that was an issue this year or not but Mike there's Four hundred and forty thousand people yeah. over over this span of a weekend going to this event and it you take like a one lane highway to get in and out of it so that doesn't surprise me at all but as a spectator i thought this was i mean leaps and bounds over what i experienced at the miami grand prix and it was miami's first first one and i imagine they'll make some changes You know year to year to improve the experience but this was just like a whole different level it was so much fun the race was incredible it was a great race it's a great race track Um, there's just a lot more speed high speed corners there's more overtaking Um, the weather was amazing the the fans all were super nice like you said I was talking to a a bunch of fans um, the two days leading up to the race Um, and then of course, like Austin is just a fun city. There's great restaurants and bars and shopping and food and everything. So yeah, I had a really great time. I thought, um, you know, and and not to put down the Miami Grand Prix, but this really felt like a race, like this felt like a, a motorsport race. People were there for the race. It was the biggest event in the city. Um, the city was buzzing. The airport was buzzing. I just, I really... Uh, from the moment I got on my flight and heard people talking about Max Verstappen and all of this in the, in the flight, strangers just on the plane, I knew it was going to be one of those like crazy sports weekends.
0: Uh, listen, I, I agree about Miami. I know you live there now, but I've, I've listen, I've said this many a time. When I played in Philly and then played with the Dolphins, it was night and day about the actual passion from fans. There was so much apathy in Miami. And quite honestly, it, it, you know, I know for – that race, a lot of it is to be seen. You know who's who, and and more off the track than on the track. So it doesn't surprise me that that Austin uh, was uh, from from a race venue, and the people were into that a little more. Um, and I again, we'll get into the race. I know that Max Verstappen had the 11 second pit stop that almost cost him the race. That we'll get into. But do you think, or I should say, how do you think this fares? around the world I mean is it possible see I don't I don't know the schedule will next year will we have three in the US will there be one yeah. in Miami Austin and Vegas so and will that Vegas. be the will, will that be the most on on any continent
1: uh well I think Europe Europe has the the lion's share of races still um but yeah it's three in the United States is certainly a lot considering last year for the for the past decade there's only been one and it's been the race in Austin Um, And so I think Formula One is trying to capitalize on this American interest in the sport being the highest it's ever been and the, you know, spectacle of, of American sports and having this race in Miami and then the race in Las Vegas and setting them up to be like Super Bowl type spectacle events where there's luxury boxes and they're selling you know experiences to fans and it's a it's probably just going to be a different crowd than what you get in austin where people are going to see the race and sit in the grandstand or sit on the hill like people are you know going and, and eating like festival food corn dogs and hot dogs and hamburgers and all that people aren't there looking for um caviar, hot dogs or whatever <laughs> they were selling at Miami, it was something like that. But yeah, this this it, and I think personally like it's great to have a mixture of everything as a sports fan. Like it's good to have your your street races and your Vegas races that are going to be at night, lights on, it's going to be a spectacle. But then I think it's also good to have races where The focus is on the actual drivers and the driving, which is what it was this weekend. We saw some incredible performances by Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris. Um, It was just a a really fun race, I thought. And so um, I know that there are the older fans of the sport, you know, fans that have been fans of F1 for longer, not older people, (laughs) I should should clarify. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Yeah. Not you, Mike, but yeah, thank you for um, people, all the older
0: people out there. <laughs> people who
1: have been fans of the sport for a while, I can probably see why they would be skeptical of adding a third second and third race in the United States. Um and, and Formula One cashing in on that. But I think as long as you keep Austin on the schedule and you make, you know, a little bit of improvements here or there to Miami and Vegas to make sure that they're they're actual fun races too, I think it's great. And then of course you're gonna have people across the pond complaining about the time of the race, Mike. I heard some of the the British uh, podcasts I listened to were were talking about how late they had to stay up to watch it, which is funny because you know in the states we have to get up at six right. a.m., seven a.m. Yeah. usually to watch the races that are in France or or the UK or Monaco. So I thought that was kind of funny and and probably another reason why people complain. But uh, overall, I think uh, the Circuit of the Americas is just it's a great sports venue.
0: So what did you what what did you do there? I know you had some responsibilities there. I saw you around with a microphone walking around, so I know you were you were you were deeply involved in the weekend.
1: Yeah, I was actually there shooting like a, a promo commercial for Google Chrome and McLaren. So Google Chrome sponsors McLaren's car. Uh, they have Google Chrome, you know, logo on the wheels and all that. So they asked me if I would come to my uh, come to Austin and host. A pit stop trivia game with fans and ask fans to answer trivia questions they had like three seconds to do it um, and so I was doing that for the two days that I was there and then I went to the race afterwards like when we were wrapped so I was pretty busy had to get up early like had to you know interact with a lot of people that were were fun and and excited and crazy and super into the races but overall I thought it was a really great crowd and a great atmosphere, and and the, my only complaint, Mike, is that I had to go on top of this. There's this like observation tower at the Circuit of the Americas, and I had to go to the top of it on the second day, and it was so windy. Oh, oh my god! Never again.
0: Didn't Never dig again,
1: that, huh? I'm not afraid <laughs> of heights. I am not afraid of heights. Don't care about heights. Don't think about heights. I used to live on, you know, the 30th floor of an apartment building for a couple of years in New York. But I went up there, and the wind was, like, whipping my hair around. And I was like, nope, I'm going back down. I'll I'll take the <laughs> stairs.
0: <laughs> as far as venue, though, you know, we, we've already, you know, in talking about F1, you and I, and again, me being kind of a newbie to this, noticing, like, the racing, and you want to see good competitive races, and there's a couple of tracks, Monaco being one of them. It's never going yeah. to get moved from Monaco, but... You know, and others where, where you just you don't have the passing ability, and it just doesn't seem as competitive. It seems like Austin was. It seems like you had the ability to pass. You know, whether it be the turns or the back straightaway. I know where where Red Bull really, really yeah. kind of went after it in this one. So from a racing venue, from the track, it seems like it shows good competitiveness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think like this track was just. Plopped down in the middle of, I guess, like an open field, and it was built for racing. Whereas the Miami circuit is built around the Hard Rock Stadium, so there was a lot, you know, a lot less freedom to build it a certain way. And so they had, and and initially, I think they were actually going to build the Miami circuit in downtown Miami, so it was going to be on actual, you know, streets. Right. Um, and they wanted to race across the. The bridge to biscayne bay or something like that um which is i i think would have been really cool but there's a ton of logistical issues there so it didn't work out and and ended up being at the hard rock and then you know the las vegas race is going to be on the strip mike so it's going to be on the like it's going to look incredible but again it's not they're not going to be able to change too much of what the existing infrastructure is to make it a really competitive race and you mentioned monaco which is interesting because monaco actually it remains to be seen if it will be on the calendar in in two or three years. I think there are a lot of fans that don't care for it. Uh, The The players will lose their,
0: the drivers will lose their minds. (laughs) They love going there, don't they?
1: Well, they, most of them live there. So yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like a home race for a few of them. But um, yeah, I think there's uh, a lot of fans who wouldn't be too upset to see Monaco taking off the, taken off the calendar. Um, So that remains to be seen. I, I think there's, Again, like Formula One has to strike a balance. Next year is going to be a crazy season because it's the most races they've ever raced in a calendar year. And I, that puts a lot of strain on budgets, on people that have to travel from week to week, on you know the entire infrastructure of Formula One. So we'll see what happens five years from now. If there are still three races in the US, I know I think the Miami race signed a 10 year contract. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, I can't remember what Austin and Vegas' statuses are, but Um, I I really hope Austin stays on the calendar for for a while, because that really felt the most like a, a, you know, a race in a sporting event to me versus Miami, which felt like a fun party.
0: So to to before. uh, So, again, we're going to go on the track. But do you think in the long run here, again, this is starting to become popular in the U.S. A lot, you know, like me, took in the drive to survive on Netflix to kind of know the characters uh, a little bit. Uh, And now the races that are that are going on in the U.S., as you mentioned, three going on next year is will will we Americanize this thing or or will (laughs) this thing make it okay in in the U.S.?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there's already they uh, there was announcement this weekend that there would be uh, there will be an American driver on the grid next year racing for Williams Logan Sargent who raises an F2. He's from Fort Lauderdale, so, you know, not not too far from the Miami Grand Prix. As long as he gets his super license points at the end of this year, he'll be eligible and he'll be racing on a team next year. Um, There's been interest by certain Americans like Mario Andretti to buy a team or buy into a team or or start a new team. Um, And so there's all of those opportunities. And then, of course, there's, like, all the, you know, American fans now that are infiltrating the sport, podcasting about it and and talking about it and bringing it to, you know, our more mainstream media sources like, uh, you know, me on this show and and the Levitard show. So uh, ESPN actually just announced this weekend that they're extending their um, broadcast rights with Sky and, and F1 for five more years, commercial free. So I, again, like, I don't know exactly what this looks like in five years because we all have such short attention spans. And if, you know, if the racing drops off or we see a a downturn in interest, like maybe it will level off. But I do think that there's enough seeds planted and enough people interested that as long as they keep having weekends, like, you know, last weekend in Austin, people are going to want to buy tickets and go.
0: And hopefully, do you think? we or i guess in this case espn will just keep it with sky and not try and bring in their own announcers i don't know i mean
1: i i don't know the ins and outs of it too much mike but i do know what a freaking process it is to make that show there was a a story about it recently i think in the new york times about what goes into making that show and i can't imagine i couldn't even film a car going by on my iphone like i couldn't even track a car with my iphone camera and these massive you know these cameramen on these massive cameras are tracking them go around right. turns at like 180 miles per hour like it's i think sky does a great job with it so i i'm certainly excited that they're going to be doing it um there was also mike i don't know if you saw the drama on the on the pit uh in the grid walk this weekend with martin brundle and Brad Pitt but apparently Brad Pitt kind of blew him off a little bit when Martin Brundle was trying to get an interview with Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt's making a a Formula One movie right now. That's another thing that the Americans are getting invested in. There's a lot of new media coming out about Formula One movies and documentaries, and Lewis Hamilton's got some Apple Plus documentary coming out. So um, that that ticked off a lot of Formula One fans who were like, hey, Brad Pitt, if you're going to make a movie about our sport that you don't know anything about... Um, maybe you should be nice to our, our legendary little Martin Brundle interviewer guy when he's trying to ask you questions at the race.
0: Yeah. That sounds like something we would do, you know? (laughs) uh, Oh, we know all there is to know. We don't need to talk to you little people involved. I mean, my God, you're right. I mean, just, just do the thing, you know? I mean, if you're going to try and be involved in F1, that's, that, that is somewhat amazing. All right. So the race itself, Verstappen starts in the two slot. He ends up winning. We know he was, he was going to be the champion second year in a row, but he helps uh, Red Bull win the Constructors' Cup as well. Mm-hmm. That that broken eight-year streak by Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton, second in this, doesn't have a win this year. It was Verstappen's 13th. But what I, he had to be – I can't even imagine when you're in a tight race and or, I, I guess, any part of the race, when you're used to these – pit stops being about two and a half seconds and he was in one where i think the gun jam the air gun or something uh, for changing the tire and he was there over 11 seconds that had to seem like forever to be sitting in an f1 pit for 11 seconds so he gives you know he gives way obviously to a couple of drivers but is able to make it up that's what i think was the cool part of this race of him coming back and winning it after that uh that, that that bad pit stop
1: yeah I mean Mike I'm going to be honest. I was rooting for Lewis Hamilton to win his first race of the yeah. season, and he was set up you know in a in a almost almost perfectly He was on hard tires at the end, and Max Verstappen was on medium tires, and the Red Bull's faster to begin with, and they're on faster tires and so when Verstappen got to within like two or three seconds of Lewis Hamilton with ten laps, I think everyone knew that that was it and Mercedes I don't know if there was anything they could have done better red bull just has a better car but i was really hoping lewis was gonna be able to pull one out especially in front of the american fans because of all the drivers getting big cheers at the race i think lewis hamilton sergio perez uh, and daniel ricardo they were getting huge applause during qualifying so i think the fans really wanted to see one of those guys win but of course max verstappen is just inevitable even when his team doesn't do their jobs uh perfectly he still comes through and wins the race so credit to him but I mean, there was a whole lot of other crazy stuff that happened. Obviously on turn one, Carlos Sainz, who was on pole, yeah. uh, got, got T-boned by George Russell and he was out for the rest of the race, which was such a, a bummer for him. And then, um, Charlotte Claire had to start all the way back, uh, I think in 11th or 10th because of a, a grid penalty. So he was able to work his way back up into third finished on the podium. Lewis Hamilton had a, you know, like we said, had a great race. Um, and then there was this huge collision between Lance Stroll and, Fernando Alonso. Luckily, both drivers were fine, but um, they were both given penalties. Lance Stroll was given a penalty for the maneuver that caused the collision. And then Fernando Alonso was given a penalty for driving with a unsecured mirror for the rest of the race. And and race control felt that he should have gone in to get it fixed. So he got a 30-second penalty. So then everyone pretty much moved up a spot behind him. Um, So yeah, it was a bit of a dramatic race. And like you said, there was a lot of overtaking and, and people make Leclerc making a move on on Perez, um, Verstappen on, on Hamilton. And then at the very end, uh, Sebastian Vettel and Kevin Magnussen racing out the, the final lap against each other. It was, I mean, Sebastian Vettel's retiring at the end of the yeah. season. So this was probably his last time ever racing in Austin. It was such a cool finish. Watching him go toe-to-toe and not giving up a spot, you know, fighting until the very end, I thought it was really exciting to watch.
0: So while while people that are just getting into this again like me know the name Lewis Hamilton and see how he dominated for, what, eight years before Max Verstappen took the championship last year and has got it again this year for two years in a row— Talk about what Verstappen is doing because he's already tied Michael Schumacher in 04 and Sebastian Vettel in thirteen, each won thirteen races. That's the record. Of which Verstappen's going to break it. There's three more races. And to think he isn't going to win at least one of these three races, I think is ridiculous, you know, unless he has just ungodly bad luck. So he's going to break this record. He's gonna he's a two time world champ, and he's going to hold let's just say it, he's going to hold a record for most wins in a season. Where, where, I mean, how how long are we looking at the domination of this guy in this in this sport?
1: He holds a whole number of formula one records already so right now he's 25 he holds the record for the youngest driver to start a race the youngest driver to score points the youngest driver to win a race the youngest driver to score a podium finish a whole bunch of more youngest drivers and then uh he also has the record for most podium finishes in a season which is last year he had 18 podium finishes and then this year like you said 13 wins in a season probably going to get at least 14 wouldn't be surprised if you ended up finishing out with 16. Yeah, yeah um he's incredibly dominant mike i think and again, he's super young. He's 25 years old. And he he races for the team that has been the most consistent, who has had the best car, who has responded the best to the regulation changes this season. Um, so, yeah, I think everyone fully expects this to be a dominant streak, that Max Verstappen is just going to be the guy for the next while. Um, and the only thing you can say negatively about Red Bull or Verstappen is all this other background noise happening now with the cost cap uh, controversy. Red Bull apparently went over their spending limit last year in 2021 when Max Verstappen won his first championship in the final race of the season against Lewis Hamilton, which we don't need to rehash that controversy because in itself was Um, One of the craziest things that's ever happened in a Formula One uh, championship to begin with. But now there is this looming penalty over Red Bull. They can either admit that they went over the cost cap and get a reduced sentence (laughs) or uh, not admit to it. And they'll get a bigger penalty, although no one knows what those penalties will be. Uh, clearly they're not going to impact what happened last year. They're not going to take the championship away from Verstappen, but it is a very, you know, Mike, as fans of football, NFL football, there's a hard salary cap, right? And if you go over the salary cap, you get penalized. You lose picks, maybe you get fined a couple million bucks. There's a penalty for it. and, And I think NFL teams are pretty clear on what, that could be this has never happened before in formula one because last year was the first year that they had a cost cap so no one knows what the penalty is going to be if there's going to be just a little slap on the wrist but all the other teams are pissed about it um mclaren's team boss zach brown was not happy did not mince words he said that if there was if cheating occurred there needs to be a strict penalty for it. And Christian Horner, the Red Bull boss, did not yeah. like that. And they were in a, at a press conference together over the weekend. And Lewis Hamilton, who unfortunately, like, probably still traumatized by what happened at the end of last year, said that, you know, he's, he's accepted it. But he thinks that if you're not going to enforce the cost cap, why even have one? Which right. is accurate um so i don't know i don't know what's going to happen with that probably nothing too exciting for people that don't like red bull because i think formula one doesn't want to make themselves look bad um but it is kind of a unfortunate shadow looming over the end of the season uh for the other teams and for verstappen honestly because he's he's earned both championships he's driven really well um there there really shouldn't be any question about whether or not he he's the winner
0: should be more like the NBA, not the NFL. The NFL with a hard cap. The NBA has that luxury tax that yeah. if you start going over, you have to pay X amount like Golden State, pay some ungodly amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> then, then again, these F1 teams, especially the top ones, have an ungodly amount of money. Because yeah. So do you not think, again, Red Bull, uh, Verstappen won it. I think Sergio Perez was fourth. They won the Constructors' Cup as well, uh, stopping the Mercedes eight-year streak of that. You don't think it will affect this, right? That, that the I don't think so.
1: I don't think so, but I'm I'm not sure honestly. I don't think anyone really knows. A the exact number they went over by. Um, there's been mixed reporting on that. B uh, what that money was spent on. Like there has been claims that they went over on their catering budget, Mike, which sounds like oh, something we would geez. both do
0: without question. Um, there shouldn't be a so- catering budget.
1: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> But, you know, if you're making a budget and you're, you're, you know, apparently their budget also had 75,000 line items, which I don't want to be the guy who audits that. That sounds miserable. If you're making a budget though, and you're like, okay, we'll set aside $10 million for catering and a hundred million dollars for engineering. And then you spend 11 million on catering. You got to take the 1 million out somewhere else. You can't just be like, well, it was all the food we ordered. Like that money was spent somewhere else too.
0: That's what that That's lobster how was. Works. Lobster <laughs> cost <laughs> us that extra mill. Right, have done exactly. That. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And
1: also, like as an aside, you know, we talk about how much like NFL players eat and and like how much you know money those cafeterias must cost. These teams are massive, and when they go on the road, I can't even. I'm I fully expect Ferrari's cost cap uh, number to be at least, like, 50% of it just spent on espresso or coffee beans or something because, ah. like, all those Italian guys going on the road, you know they're spending money on coffee.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I don't know how much the drivers can eat. They're also small. Uh, that's true. So, yeah, but the teams. It, the but teams. the team, yeah. I see some of the guys working the pits. They're not so small. You know, so, that, yeah, they're, they're probably scarfing that up. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad it was successful. Congrats. We already, you know, Verstappen, we knew it was going to uh, obviously win the – drivers championship constructors cup goes to red bull as well it's just three more races to go but i'm glad you had a good time there and uh i'm glad there'll be three next year miami austin and it seems miami austin and vegas i'm really excited uh for that one to see how that goes all right let's jump into uh into football college football we got to win jess we got to win i was at the game notre dame unlv and we got to win we got a we got a pretty convincing win. We weren't in, in much trouble in this game, so uh, you know all the all the haters can can tone it down for just a week anyway. <laughs> I, I I was actually some guy. You know I'm, I'm at the game and uh, and some, we're leaving and some some guy looks at me. and says, "Well, you know it, it's good to know we can pad our wins with teams that are a little you know a little better than high school teams." I'm like, dude, oh number God. one, quit disparaging another team like that, and number two, just take the win. You know, my God. I do mean, these, just what sour put. Just shut the hell up. You gotta win. Enjoy the win. We go to next week and we see what happens.
1: Do these fans not realize that every other college oh. football program, especially Power Five schools, schedule FCS teams every year? Notre Dame's one of the only teams that doesn't. Like there there are level like you, when you're making a football schedule, I don't even know I'm engaging in this argument oh, I know. actually. I, I know. I'm I quit.
0: It, it is. It's just. It's. They're never satisfied. It's like my <laughs> god. It's. Oh, it's unreal. But you know what? What one thing you don't you don't ever expect? Quite honestly, you put Syracuse on the schedule. You don't expect them to usually to be a I ranked know. team, right? I mean, they had their first loss, and it was a good game against Clemson, number five Clemson. And Syracuse, they were both undefeated. That was a close game. It was Syracuse's first loss. They're still sitting at number 16. And Notre Dame goes there. Let me tell you, Notre Dame is going to have their hands full because they've been good at times and they've been really bad at times. And I don't know which team is going to show up, but they're going to need the good team to show up because Syracuse is playing some really good ball.
1: I think the way that you just described Notre Dame is exactly how I have felt watching them this season. Week to week, I don't exactly know what, version of the team we're going to get. There have been great performances. There have been good performances and there have been very uninspiring uh, performances, especially, you know, Stanford at home and, and Marshall. But I mean, just going back to this fan leaving the stadium, does he not realize that Notre Dame oh. lost to one of these teams? Like yeah, I a
0: mean... couple weeks
1: ago, like, you still get credit even if you win them and you're bad because you could still lose to them. That's how. Uh, the, that's why you play the games.
0: But, but I'm kind of with you. I kind of engage them and then I'm like, why am I doing this? You yeah, know, right. I did it on Twitter for a little bit and I'm like, I finally ended up on Twitter saying, this is stupid to continue on Twitter. So I'm, I'm I, done. Yeah, just, I could uh, not be,
1: Mike, what you did for years and, and like taking collars and stuff like that. Um, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I I would get too angry.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it can be. Pretty, good. But, again, that's why, you know, fan is short for fanatic because these people, you just shake their head but just say, hey, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for following. Appreciate that. So, you know, as far as college football, Bama beat Mississippi State. I mentioned Clemson over Syracuse. Oregon beat UCLA. That was another big matchup. Oklahoma State almost gave it up to Texas. Um, and then TCU, but they won. And TCU over uh Kansas State. You know, this week we have a couple of good matchups. Kentucky and Tennessee. Tennessee you know, um, is playing extremely, extremely well. They're sitting at number three. As far as the rankings, it's Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, and Clemson as the top five. Alabama just on the outside of that. It's Ohio State against Penn State, Michigan against uh, Michigan State. This week, that's a game Mike's calling uh, for Learfield. So, you know, it it gets into, of the top-ranked teams you have, you have in the top seven, six are undefeated. The top five are undefeated, as I just mentioned. Then Bama is 7-1. Then TCU is 7-0. and So we'll see. But these teams, again, we're in the process of them all playing one another. Uh, so we know, you know, that, that teams are going to kind of eat each other alive in these conferences. So I, I don't really know what to expect. For, as far as our school, you have three. You know, we're sitting at four and three. Mm-hmm. And the two games will be heavily favored and left are Navy and Boston College, which would put us at six wins. And make us bowl eligible. Bowl and, game
1: baby. And, and
0: and I know people are like, Oh, that's where we are now, just hoping to be bowl eligible. I'm talking about the reality of the situation right now, people. Okay, this is where we are. And then can you get one of the other three games to get more? Because it's Syracuse, it's Clemson, and it's USC. So those are gonna be three tough games that hopefully, you know, we can we can win some of those, but I I definitely think we can win those other two and become bowl eligible and and get some extra practice time in another bowl in. And like I said, I think just that that's kind of where we are and then see where Marcus is going to build this team going forward.
1: Yeah. And I think like, look, everyone is disappointed that Notre Dame is, you know, three losses in uh, going up against Syracuse. I think this team was expected to be you know six and one at this point and i i get that I, everyone no one that enjoys this no notre dame fan no. is looking at this and saying like yeah this is fine we're all happy and and complacent com, uh complacent with it but at the same time you can either just lay down and and like fold for the rest of the season and let these other teams roll over you and not you know put up a fight or you can try to make a bowl game and at least salvage what you can I think the fan base would feel a lot worse losing the next, you know, whatever game, five games versus being six and six and playing in some, you know, Sun Bowl or whatever it is. Uh, And it says a lot about the coaching staff and the players and the entire program to finish out a season. Versus just giving up and not caring anymore. Right. Like, you have to make a point, if you're Marcus Freeman, to the fans, to your incoming recruits, to the veteran guys on your team who stuck around after their head coach left, who didn't enter the portal, who believed in you and, and what you were building at Notre Dame, that you're not going to give up just because you played a couple crappy games against Marshall and Stanford. Um, like you said, Notre Dame can still win some of these games. If they show up and play the best version of their game, I think they're – they're a good team. They can win anything left on the table.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, Um, they can lose it too, which is... They can lose them all too, exactly.
1: But Clemson, like Syracuse, you know, they're Syracuse. They have had moments where they've not looked great. Clemson has had issues with their quarterback. You know, DJ Uyungle got benched against Syracuse. Um, Luckily, they have, you know, the number one recruit in the country playing behind him in Cade Klubnik. So, you know, not not too bad if you're a a Clemson fan, but there have been times that they have looked, you know, they've struggled and then, you know, Navy and, and Boston college, you don't want to lose either of those games. Those would be just a a dagger to the heart, Yeah. but you know, and then USC it's a rival, you know, it's on the road. It's going to be a tough game no matter what, but you can still be competitive and give them the other team fits, if not win. So I don't know. I don't know the point in not being optimistic about it. Um, and also yeah. being realistic at the same uh,
0: time. Optimistic and realistic are two good words to use. As far as, listen, Notre Dame's not going to be near the top this year. And, we're you know, like November 6th, uh, 5th, we're going to see Tennessee against Georgia. So, you know, that's an excellent matchup, you know. Um, uh, so, and, and I think for the Heisman now, you look at Hendon Hooker, the, the kid from Tennessee, I mean, 18 touchdowns, one interception, completing almost 69% of his passes. He's in there with C.J. Stroud from Ohio State and Bryce Young from Alabama. So we're just going to have to, you know, continue to wait. You know, Ohio State-Michigan game. I I don't see either one getting knocked off before that game happens Mm -hmm. at the end of the year. So then we get into conference championships and and see where this goes. Again, because it's just a four-team playoff as they try and figure out uh, maybe to extend the playoffs by next year. Uh, where where we wouldn't be having this discussion then at the top more than we would at the mid or the bottom once they expand the playoffs. So we will see more good games, as we mentioned, uh, uh, this week. So it's getting to that time of the season. As far as the NFL, it's it's always that time of the season, whether it's week one or not. So I always have to start off by asking you, you know, what you think of your team, Pittsburgh, (laughs) and what you think of your guy, Kenny Pickett, who, oh my Um, God, is looking like a rookie quarterback. So we we shouldn't really be shocked, right?
1: No, not at all. And it was it was the second start on the road in Miami uh, against a Miami team that really... Miami came out uh, guns a-blazing, Mike. I mean, Tua was back, his first game back since having the concussion against the Bengals. Um, and he looked really good in the first couple drives. And then the Steelers were able to control the Dolphins' offense, which I was impressed by. They, they made some good adjustments. They were able to you know, not get this, I, I, after I watched the first drive, Mike, I thought it was going to be like a 45 to seven blowout um, by the dolphins. And it wasn't ended up being 16 to 10. I mean, second half, nothing happened, but Kenny Pickett did throw two interceptions, um, which was a bummer because he was moving the ball pretty well and just made some bad choices. And those are things that you kind of expect, you know, rookies to make only a few rookie quarterbacks have had, you know, those things not happen to them and, right. and it's why there's so much pressure now to play well when you're a rookie. Um, I don't know. I I mean, the season's not going great. Uh, I don't expect them to make the playoffs. I I do want them to win close games, but you don't win close games when you're not a very good team. Uh, and there's just been times that the Steelers have not played very well. So it is what it is, but there were a number of teams that also kind of played pretty crappy on Sunday, including Tampa Bay. I did not expect to see Tampa Bay get, I guess, could you call it a blowout, blown out by the Panthers? Oh,
0: yeah, they got blown out by the Panthers, yes. I mean, listen, the, the two teams that we keep, and I still have to cover them a couple of more times unless they get flexed out at the end of the year, the Green Bay Packers, you know, the talk of Tampa Bay and Green Bay, and I, I started to say this a couple of weeks ago, I don't think they're they're digging themselves out of this. You just don't see where it's coming from. At some point, this is your team. Right? I mean, this yeah. is what you have. You know, a lot of times the only thing that can get worse is you get worse because of injuries. Now, you do have a trade deadline coming up, and you saw the move San Francisco made by mm-hmm. trading for Christian McCaffrey. Carolina, Carolina sold off Robbie Anderson to Arizona, and Christian McCaffrey, their by far best player yeah. to San Francisco and still still beat Tampa Bay. I mean, that, that just blows my mind. That's, that's what I mean. You know, people, fans sit there and say, oh, God, I hope my team loses, you know, so we get a better draft spot. You know, and I always say, man, don't expect that out of the players. The players, you're in – and, oh, by the way, you know, Carolina is at 2-5 and five is one game out of first place. <laughs> that division stinks. The NFC South stinks to high heaven. But even if they're out of it, players play hard because now they're playing for self-preservation. As I, I've talked about, they're playing for whoever the new coach is going to be. Or maybe they're yeah. playing for another team uh, out there that they're going to have to end up on. So you got to be careful of those teams. They will sneak up and bite you in the ass. But as far as Tampa Bay and, and Green Bay, I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, I don't, I don't know where it's going to get better. Green Bay had four drops Sunday, 10 drops in the last two weeks. Now, maybe that can get better. The guys quit dropping the damn ball. I, I, I've said when I cover them, they need to be more of a running team and then work the pass in. But it's hard to say that when you have Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to say that when you have Tom Brady, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, but that, that's what's going to help these guys. So we'll see if they do it. But, but as far as in it for the, what their goals are, when you're Brady and when you're Rodgers, the goal is the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay may win that division out of suck because that whole division stinks. Um, Green Bay's going to have to be careful. They're already three behind Minnesota, but you're going to have to sit there and look at a wild card spot uh, as they fall b- behind them. But I don't think either one of those teams uh, is going to do anything. Green Bay might may not even make the playoffs. The team to me, Jess, that's been so surprising, and they just keep going and he just keeps going is Seattle and Geno Smith. I mean, they're sitting mm. there and in the lead in the NFC yeah. West now. That blows my mind.
1: Same here. I mean, do you give credit more to Pete Carroll in that situation for having like the, the coaching chops to be able to get more out of this team than what you see on paper? Or do you give credit to Geno Smith for finally getting a chance to actually play and prove himself?
0: You know, I think like anything else, it's a little bit of both. You know, you got to give credit either because we all, I, I certainly did. Oh, Seattle's rebuilding. They got nothing going on. Their, their future quarterback isn't on the roster. Geno Smith is completing almost 74% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's rating right at the top uh, of the league in what he's doing. So you have to give him a ton of credit because I, I can't, I can't think of anybody who expected that. Maybe to be decent, but to be this good and what he's doing, because we thought, you know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were going to be just guys running down the field with their hands up, going shit. Nobody can get us the ball, and Geno Smith is getting them the ball, and Kenneth Walker is proving to be a monster at running back as well. So, this is a team again in a, in a division. You know, we'll see. I mean, I, I still think I still I think like San Francisco. Coming out of this division over the Rams, you know, getting Christian McCaffrey was absolutely monstrous, I think, of how much he can help them. But I have to believe Seattle's the biggest surprise team in the league. Uh, well, I guess, who's the biggest surprise? Giants, Jets, Seattle, in your mind.
1: Oh, uh, man, I'm going to have to go with the Giants. I mean, just because I live with a Giants fan who, who is like <laughs> the saddest boy in the world most of the football season. I can't believe that his team's doing better than mine, but... yeah. Um, I'm, I'm shocked by them. I think, you know, I, well, before we move on, Seattle right now, plus 500 to win the NFC West. Right. Are, you, are you taking those odds? Maybe.
0: Man, I mean, I, I sit there and start to look a little bit. You take three wild cards of where they are in relation to the others. They got a good shot. They, I, I, I almost, I almost would throw a little bit on that one. Yeah, the way and they're the, playing.
1: The Jets right now odds are plus one thirty five to make the playoffs. So I don't, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if I buy uh, Jets stock yet. But yeah, I mean the Giants, they maybe in in hindsight some of those big wins they've had have been against crappier teams. Now that you look at like that Packers result in London, but you know you still have to win those games. So I don't know. I like the Giants. I think they're fun. I, I think Daniel Jones is. Uh, playing really well uh, with his legs. And yeah. Saquon Barkley is incredible. I don't know what else you can say about them. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk to, about about with you, Mike, before we move off of um, the dreaded NFC South is the Mike Evans referee autograph saga. Have you been following this whole story a, and the a, update a bit. from Tuesday? I have been
0: following it a bit, yes.
1: Okay, so there's a video where uh, Mike Evans is walking into the tunnel and a referee looks to be like handing him a piece of paper and then Mike Evans writes something on it and he takes it back and smiles and like says thank you. And so this, uh, I think a reporter tweeted it out and said, I didn't know that the refs a- could ask players to sign autographs or something like that. So big controversy already because it did kind of look like he was signing an autograph yeah. for him. Now, I saw that video and I was like, there's no way. There's no way that this is an autograph signing because it's on just a regular note card. Who's what, what value does that have? It's not like he was signing a jersey or a helmet right. or a ticket or something that would actually have maybe like a little bit of value, a ball even. Um, but then the news came out that uh, apparently, according to Tim Pelissero, uh the ref was asking or was was asking Mike Evans for his number to give him uh, set up with a, a guy giving golf lessons or something like that. Are you are you buying this story?
0: I I can't for the life of me figure out why on like you said a, a piece of paper or index card that they're asking for an autograph, right? right? I, I that one that one it does seem odd to me um, because it is a no no by the way. I mean you're yeah. you're not you're Big not no allowed no. not allowed obviously uh, to do that. In all honesty, I think I would believe the golf thing more than the autograph that it was his phone number. About golf, I I because I I can't feel like you're right. It would be like I would get a helmet or I'd get a jersey or I'd get something yeah. that that would look better in my man cave or whatever I was going to do with it. than <laughs> then it's like a ten year old kid handing you know uh, you know a piece of paper to a to a player. So I I am going to say I think I believe and, and we'll find out. You know we'll always find out uh, that that it turns out it it was about golf and and obviously the referee can't really tweet it out or show it because then he's tweeting out Mike Evans' giving phone up number. Giving Mike, Mike
1: Evans' number. Yeah, yeah. to everybody.
0: Well, what do you think? Apparently,
1: I, I, I totally buy this. This sounds like something a referee would do. I mean, you know, all these guys have, like, golf instructors and they all, you know, yeah. have mutual friends that play golf with one another. So I think it makes way more sense than uh, the autograph signing. But I think the NFL said that, Uh, the line judge has been reminded of the importance of avoiding even the appearance of impropriety when interacting with players, coaches, and club staff on game day. And then from Tom Pelissero, in other words, bad luck, no discipline.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Bad luck, I'm sorry. It is a a bad luck, but he's not going to get in trouble.
0: Yeah, make sure you're a little farther in the concourse maybe or in the locker (laughs) room so nobody nobody can get video and and see that. Real quick to to, to end this on, on the football. Do you realize right now who the NFC starting quarterbacks for the Pro Bowl would be?
1: I mean, Geno Smith.
0: Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts. All right. That would that would be your – you know, in, in a conference that has Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in it. And Tom Brady but, coming off throwing for the most yards last year.
1: That is crazy. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think Tom Brady himself has like been the problem. Like he doesn't look that bad. I mean, at least sometimes. I I don't know. I don't know how to talk about Tom Brady, Mike. Has he been the problem to you? Have you Have you noticed a drop he, off in his? He's train? been part of the
0: problem without question. Some of his throws have been horrific.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: they they have just they have been bad. So yeah, he's part of the problem. Um All right. but, but but again, when you're doing this poorly, you can't point to one thing.
1: That's this true, defense yeah.
0: is, w- had, had been playing great, and then they get gashed occasionally. They they seem to, they would have running attempts, but not a great running game.
1: They have the, yeah they haven't been able to get a run game going. No. I mean he he did throw for almost three hundred yards against the Panthers, I guess, but you know they only rushed for I want to say like fifty or something like that. Yeah, they're they're um,
0: not running the ball like early on. Leonard Fournette was getting attempts, but he was averaging like under three yards. I mean it wasn't going well. You know Brady has thrown for. 290, 243, 351, 385, 271, 190, and 212. Um, As I said, eight touchdowns and one interception. He doesn't turn the ball over. We'll give him Mm -hmm. that. He definitely has been hit. Uh, He's been sacked 10 times. Normally, it's not a ton because he gets rid of the ball uh, pretty quickly. He's not outrunning anybody. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's absolutely been part of the problem uh, with with a lot of other things. So, like I said, anybody who tries to just pick one thing – you know, uh, you know, it, it's difficult to do quickly. On the other side, I've been, I've covered him this year, and I, I've been screaming about it. Is the way that Justin Fields has been used? Finally, they're running yeah. him. Finally, I don't know why it took so long. He yeah, had, I think, he had 14 designed runs, you know, on the Monday nighter in their win that they had. And I mean, oh my God, oh my God, Justin Fields looks good running the ball. No shit, you know, where was this? So. I don't think it, I don't know if it turns their season around to do anything, but I think, you know, you're going to start to see a template for what you need to do with them. Their old line needs work. They need more heavy hitters on offense. But uh, but I, I think Justin Fields, to the other side of it, is going to be a big part of the solution for the Bears if they kind of let him play his way. It's mm-hmm. kind of like with Josh Allen, who ran his first year, and then the second year they tried to say, well, we don't want him to run as much and get hurt, and it wasn't as effective. you got to let him be him. You got to let Josh run and do his thing. You got to let Justin Fields run, man. You got to let him be the threat that he is. So I I did like that uh, out of them. But I, I, yeah, I think I think we're we're Tampa Bay and Green Bay is done. And 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 I had said the beginning of this year, I think this is Tom Brady's last year. And you heard him at one of his last pressers. I have no plans to retire. I mean, my God, how far and how long could he go?
1: good lord yeah well so back to Justin Fields for a second i mean that monday night game with bailey zappi and mac jones <laughs> yeah quarterback controversy i would love to see bailey zappi get get a chance to play a few games for the patriots he's got i mean his statistics at western kentucky were insane and yeah. then he threw like 62 touchdowns over 5700 yards i think in his senior year uh conference usa champion But yeah, Justin Fields is, I mean, he's a really good player. He's a really smart player. Yeah, He is fast. He has a huge arm, but the bears are, they they have a pretty bad offensive line. Uh, and the bears offensively. I mean, I know they have a a new coaching staff and a new GM, but for years, this has kind of been like a a pretty uninspiring offense to watch. So I hope that they start getting it now because they have a really, really good player. Uh, you know, in their quarterback and I, you know, wasting his talents by making him, you know, throw in the pocket behind this terrible line is just stupid. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah.
0: And quite honestly, he struggled a bit throwing the ball, you know, in those cases. So you gotta, you gotta definitely mix it up with the boots, with the waggles, with the, with the design run. So it was good to see, you know, it, it's a guy they definitely uh, can build around. So we will see. So last question for me When you went to Austin and you were going to be there for a little bit, did you take any baked goods with you?
1: Mm, I did not, but Mike, I ate a lot of tacos this weekend.
0: Did you really?
1: A lot of tacos. Austin is known for all these taco places. And I have to say one thing thats I've been to Austin twice now. And people, when they find out you're going to Austin... They love to tell you which taco oh, place yeah. to go to, and they are aggressive about it. If you go to the wrong taco place, people are mean to you. They're like, oh, well, this why is did Phil- you go there? This is
0: Philly and cheesesteaks, same way. They tell yeah. you where to go. It's the exact same thing. So did you, did you heed what people were saying?
1: Look, I'm not going to say where I went because I don't want people to get all <laughs> up in my business and yeah. – Tell me that that was, oh, you should have gone to Taco Deli. Oh, you should have gone to Veracruz. Oh, you should have gone to Torchy's. I'm not doing that right now. I will say I ordered uh, $30 worth of tacos, ate it on my hotel bed. I had a king-size bed, ate it on my bed while I watched the end of, uh, what was the Saturday night game? I can't even remember. Football, college football game. Watched football, ate my tacos, had a huge thing of salsa. It was delicious, Mike. Um, Highly recommend eating tacos on your bed in Austin.
0: Can I just say, you bringing that up and and both of us travel a bit i've been traveling every weekend there is nothing like eating your food on your bed yeah i mean there and and it's even great. if i a lot of times i'll take two double beds that way, one is my eating bed, bed, and, and one is my sleeping bed. bed because you know, there's is, there's is the side of being messy on your bed and then having to sleep in it. But I would usually put a towel over me, and I I like <laughs> like anything I eat or drink when I'm done, I throw it on the floor, and then when I'm gonna and then when I'm gonna leave, I pick everything up and and throw it away. But for the time I'm there, the time I walk in the door, everything gets thrown on the floor next to the bed or on the floor somewhere else until I clean it all up. Before I leave, but there is nothing like bringing in your food, sitting at the proper height so you don't choke while you eat your food, <laughs> putting that towel on my chest, and just and just eating and drinking on my bed. And yes. if I'm fortunate enough to have two double beds, then one's an eating bed and one's a sleeping bed. It is That's glorious. Amazing. Yeah. I
1: agree. I love being a huge slob when I'm on a work trip and yeah, just letting, yeah. le- not caring, letting tortilla crumbs yeah. yes. and chips and salsa like all over my face. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's all <laughs> over the bed. I'm wiping my hands on the sheets. I'm like, oh, yes. these are gonna get washed anyways. It's the, it's one of the, it's one of life's simple pleasures, Mike. It opinion. really is. It
0: really is. And I'm, I'm very, very happy that you took advantage of it. Good for you. And good luck uh, uh, with your, with your move as well.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Well, we'll see you next week.